Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to know you, to serve you, to live for you, to walk with your God. Thank you for this class, all these that are in here. Thank you for these, Lord, that watch it all on internet. We ask you to bless our time together. We praise you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, shake their hand, greet them in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're glad for all of you that are with us. And you may be seated. Praise God. And I want you to put on your seat belts, buckle your seat belts, get your feet in. I've got a lot of things to give you here this morning. And I'm going to get into some things that uh, I think is pertinent of our day and time. Uh, we are living in a day and time in which I think that the Lord's coming is, uh, is at hand. It's not, it can be imminent and it may be yet several few years, several, how many, who knows, years away. I don't know. I, I'm not even beginning to speculate because the Bible teaches us not to do that. But I will say that I think the signs are beginning to develop. Uh, when Jesus, and I'm referring here to that 24th chapter of Matthew, and it's also the same chapter as Mark 13, and it's also the same as Luke 21. Those are the prophecies of Christ where they ask him, what shall, how, when shall these things be? That is the destruction of the temple. And he had said, not one stone should be left upon another. And they said, when shall these things be? And so he began to prophesy, and, and he did. They asked him, when shall these things be, and of thy coming, and of the end of the world, or the end of the age? Now, the reason they knew that all these things would develop and would happen is because they were all prophesied in the Old Testament extensively. And so they knew about those things. And so they said, when shall all these things be? And he began to tell them. And so as he did, he began to describe situations. Basically, uh, there were, there was, I, I won't get into the part about the destruction of the temple. If we have time, I want to talk to you about that at the end of our lesson or toward the end of our lesson about a prophecy concerning the destruction of the temple uh, that sort of relates to where we are today and answers a lot of questions possibly if you have that kind of question in your mind. But the other is, is, is about our end time that we're in today. In other words, what shall be the sign, the, the, uh, which, what shall be the sign of the destruction of the temple, which happened in 70 AD incidentally, extensively, uh, right, the recording of it is, is extensively is extensive and uh, also then about the uh, his coming and of the end of the age and so that's where we are today and there are three basic things three <laughs> right fingers up three basic things involved here at the signs of the end time one is the actions reactions of mankind it's what man does it's what's happening to him wars, rumors of wars, famines. The other is things that will happen with the earth, earthquakes, seas roaring, which is tidal waves or tsunamis. Uh, those things will begin to take place more frequently, more often. The other is things and signs in the outer space. None of these are related. Man's actions are all his own actions. The earth, how it reacts is how the earth is going to react just within itself. And then what's happening out there in the heavens is another totally different reaction. All of it by the hand of God. 
And uh, so I'm just letting you know here today that these are the three basic signs. And what we've been talking to you here are the sins of man. In other words, the signs of the end time and the sins of man are one of the signs of the end time. We talked to you last week about how that, uh, about the sin of Satan and about how Satan has, uh, has told mankind that he, they don't need to believe in God and the, all these different theories that's cropped up. I talked to you about this woman professor. She was not a professor then. She was a graduate, but she went to the Samoan Islands back when I was a young man. And uh, she studied the Samoan people and came back and reported that because the Samoans were not taught uh, righteous standards, or they were not taught, taught holiness, or they were not taught morality is the right word for it. Therefore, they were a happier people because they did not have any guilt complex. And she said they could, you know, sleep around and everybody slept with everybody and everybody exchanged wives and they did all this kind of like kids partying around like adults playing around like kids. And they could do all of that and everybody was happy. Nobody was sad and so forth. And she came back and reported that to our generation. And uh, as I mentioned to you, my wife worked at Purdue. We heard her come. She came to Purdue and spoke to that uh, to that college audience. I was in Minnesota. She came to, to Minnesota University, spoke there. All over the nation she did this. She traveled around. So I was at two different places when she came and spoke in those places. And I didn't go to the meetings, but I read about them in the newspaper and all that she had to say. And I read peer articles and writings that she had to say about it. And all of it was based on the fact that if, if people were not taught morality, which is what the Bible teaches, that they would be a happier people. And she went on teaching that stuff. And young people began to pick up on that and say, why should we get married? Why don't we just live single? Why don't we just sleep around and sleep together? And nobody gets married and blah, 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 blah. And so forth. We went on and on and on that way. And if we get tired of one, we jump to another one, you know, another companion or mate. And that became a spirit of the, of the age as it kept increasing. It had never changed. She went on to live out her life, died, and a young man went to the Samoan Islands. I told you this last week. He went to the Samoan Islands as also a follow-up on the research to see how things were still going. And he had a totally different report. And he found out that the Samoan Islands had one of the highest suicide rates in the world. True, they did all the immorality stuff. But just being, just being free and happy and all that was far from the truth. And he came back and reported she lied. This woman's, I wish I knew her name. I can't remember her name now. Maybe it's just as well. But he came back and he said, she lied. She told lies to, all, to our generation. But because they wanted to believe it, it was sort of like what he had to say was sort of pushed on. He only read about it in, major, in some periodicals and writings and things that he had, and maybe a book that he produced and published and so forth. So I'm just telling you that because this was like the things that our nation and our country and our people are headed toward. And uh, we talked to you about the sin of Satan, about the Satan's sin is that of iniquity and iniquity is rebellion against God and Satan will always fight the word of God. And folks, that's what you and I have to battle. That's he fights the word of God. He fights your faith because faith is built upon the word of God. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so our faith is on the word of God. That's why you don't want to neglect church. That's why you don't want to neglect the reading of the word of God. You don't want to neglect devotion time. Because Satan will fight the word of God. And he doesn't want you to believe the word of God. That's how he, that's how he keeps you from trying to, to believe the word of God. If he can keep you from believing the word of God, he will tear down your faith and destroy your faith in God. And when you do that, you believe anything in the world, whatever comes through the door. That's what you say, oh, okay, I believe that. So we have to have faith. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. The fight is keeping the faith, you know. We're not fighting devils and like this, you know. We don't fight darkness like we fight them in prayer. But our faith is, our, our fight is keeping the faith. Say, Lord, I believe your word because that's what Satan fights and that's what he fights us with. Let me show you that. And I referred to it last week and I referred to it again here this morning. If you look with me here in uh, Genesis chapter 3, I believe it is. This is where Satan tempted Eve. I want you to show you here what he says. Very simple. This is where Satan came in the form of a serpent uh, to Eve in the Garden of Eden, third chapter, verse 1. And then verse 2, uh, verse 1, let me read verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... Ye shall not eat of the tree of this fruit. Notice that he questions. And that will, that's his, always his first action is question. Question the word of God. Is that really true? Is it really real? I mean, God said it, but is it really so? And he questions the word of God. And if he can get you and I to entertain questioning God's word, then he's got us on the yo-yo. And then if you look at verse 4, this is where it changes directly. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So it's a total conflict to God's word. You see what I'm saying? He goes from one to the other. Questions the word of God, then he begins to refute the word of God. And of course, Adam did live, Adam and Eve did live for one day, and in the first day they did die. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Adam died at the age of 930 years. Nobody, nobody has ever lived beyond a thousand years. Methuselah lived to be 969 years. But within that day, a dispensational day, is what God was speaking of. Well, not a 24-hour day. And so anyhow... uh, this is where Adam and Eve went wrong, and they said, oh, I guess God did, didn't take us out in the first 24-hour day. But in that dispensational day, they, they did die. So uh, this is the truth. And, and so God's word was true, but Satan will attack the word of God, and he'll try to make us feel like that, uh, that we, you can't be the word of God. Now, the sin of iniquity, the sin of iniquity uh, was being manifest is being manifest by many people in these last days. And I mentioned to you about this woman who went to the Samoan Islands. And Satan will attack it. Uh, they attack marriage. And uh, they'll attack uh, because marriage was instituted by God. And I mentioned that to you last week. Because God instituted marriage, ordained it. That's why he, he attacks it. That's why he, he, he attacks families. He attacks homes. He attacks marriages. He'll, he'll, he'll try to keep husband and wives at, at odds with each other. Let me say this to all of our husbands and wives. If you ever get at odds with your companion, sit down and have a talk. Sit down and have a talk with them and talk things out. Work it out. 
Praise the Lord, because God wants you to have a happy marriage. And we'll all have little conflicts and little ups and downs along the way, and that's not unusual. That'll happen all the time. But work it out and keep it, and in the long run, it's the best life you can ever live. Amen. And that's why this homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. Homosexuality and lesbianism because it's 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 against marriage. It's not a, it's not a marriage. They're trying to make it now to be a marriage and holy, you know, holy marriage in America today. And some states are adopting homosexuality uh, as as a legitimate marriage, and that's all for legal person reasons, so they can do the social security thing and they can do insurance and all that kind of stuff. That's why all that's about. Uh, but as far as trying to to really that they really believe it I, I doubt it but i'm just trying to say here that this is the sins of our last day and it's the sin of iniquity which is what satan had which was against god and still is against god and you have all these things floating around and going on here today i uh Another one that we uh, we have uh, is that the sin of uh, that theory of evolution. We talked about that, that man evolved, you know, in this world, evolved. And uh, man was not created by God, but he was evolved. And it's, it's, the, uh, it's the theory of evolution that, you know, because um, the earth had water on it and then water produced uh, amoebas, a little, little tiny one cell animals i guess you call them the amoeba the protozoa is another one and then they, they they split in two and then they multiply and then they get bigger and they develop into something else and finally pretty soon you got a tadpole and you got a frog and then you got a lizard and then you got a then you got a rabbit and a squirrel and then they all begin to evolve because it's not god doing it they're saying it's it's the species themselves that's evolving into its own thing and it's doing and so they give credit to the to the species and the first chapter of the book of romans says that man failed because he worshiped the creature more than he did the creator we are creatures incidentally because god made us we are creatures so we they worship man they worship the creatures they they say all of the ingenious of, of the world is all in this species and god has nothing to do with it and what about god well we don't know about god we don't know if there is a god we don't know who god is we don't know where god is blah 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 and they got all kinds of things they just dismiss god and so this is the sin of our day, folks. This is where we're going. That's why we as Christians, we've got to stand up. And you've got to proclaim Jesus Christ. And you've got to say that Jesus died for our sins. And that he shed his blood that we might be saved. And that he rose again. Let me say this. A lot of Christianity will uphold the cross. He died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, we all believe that. But when it comes to the resurrection, you don't hear a lot of them talking about the resurrection because the resurrection is a powerful statement. That's a statement, praise the Lord, of the power of God being manifested after we have deceased from this life. And Jesus is the first fruits of that. He's the beginning of it. And so you have a lot of, that's why Paul on Mars Hill, they said, they, they, they said, oh, let's see what this babbler wants to have to say. And so Paul talks about Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay, okay. We've heard about all kinds of these different prophets and these different, uh, these different philosophers and everything all about Jesus. But then when he got to the resurrection, they said, oh, no, 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 we don't want to hear you about that. But some of them did. And they went home with Paul and Paul began to teach them more about Jesus Christ. They became part of the early church. 
And it goes on and on like that. So I'm just saying that some people will hear the gospel, some will not. But the spirit of our day and age is that there is a spirit of iniquity that's working in the world. And it's that same spirit of Satan that it's not God's will, but it's our will. Now, how do we overcome that the same way Jesus overcame it? The same way Jesus overcame it. And that is that we pray. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 4 for a minute. Matthew 4. Look at this one for just a moment. Let me move this out of the way. I got something I'm going to show you in a minute on this overhead. Look at Matthew chapter 4. And this is, you're, you're familiar with this. This is where Jesus was tempted in the wilderness when he went and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. This is 4.8. Again, the devil, this is the third time that he tempts him here. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's what they said to Jesus. And then Jesus replied in the ninth verse, or the tenth verse, Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. You will always defeat the devil with scripture. Remember that. That's why the more scripture you know, the more Bible that you learn and that you put in your heart, the more you have to fight the enemy with. If he ever comes along with a little thing, just quote scripture to him. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, so I was praying one time years ago for a girl that had leukemia that was in our church. I was down at the church by myself. I'd been fasting for three days, and I was praying for her, walking back and forth to the altar. And I was praying for this girl that God would heal her. And I was saying, and I started singing that song, When I see the blood, I will pass over. When I see the blood, I will pass over. And I was singing and worshiping God. And I said, Lord, this girl is under the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, heal her, you know, because she's a child of God and so forth. Everything. And the devil spoke to my mind and my heart just as though he was standing there. And he laughed. He said, ha, where is the blood of Jesus? Where is the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus was shed 2,000 years ago and dropped in the hot Judean sand. And where is it today? And you are singing about the blood and the power of the blood. Where is the blood? And boy, right on the heels of it came a scripture. Hallelujah. Thank God for the scripture. A day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. And I said, Satan, I said, the power of the blood is just as strong today as it was the day he died on the cross. Hallelujah. Day with the Lord, a thousand years, a thousand years. I said, get behind me. I rebuked the devil, went on praying, and God gave me some victory. I worshiped God and just worshiped and worshiped the Lord for a long time. But that's the way we fight the devil. We fight him with scripture. And that's what Jesus did here. That's not my point. That was just a thrown in thing. But let me go a little bit further here. What Jesus did do here, that he said that, that he said to him, all these things will I give unto thee. This is what Satan said to Jesus. All these things will I give unto thee uh, if thou will fall down and worship me. Folks, he lied. He lied. Let me show you the scripture in the Bible. Uh, a scripture in the Bible where it talks about the devil lying. 
and the Bible says in one place, Jesus said in one place, Satan is a liar and the father of all liars. Everybody know that? Satan's a liar and the father of all liars. Jesus said that about him. Folks, when he tempts you, when he comes to you and talks to you, he's lying. Always. That's when he opens his mouth, he's lying. Satan is. I'm trying to help you here to understand here that in these last days, we've got to fight this spirit of iniquity. And it's a spirit that comes from the Satan and the world. And you'll start hearing it here and there. I'm going to show you some stuff in a few moments. Uh, look at this. Look at Daniel here for a moment. I'm looking at Daniel chapter 4. And this is what the Lord says here. This is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon, the king of all the, the big empire of his day. And he got all lifted up and proud of himself and exalted. And you know what God did? God let him go crazy for seven years. Seven years, he, was, he, he didn't have a common sense. And he went out and ate straw like an ox in the, in the woods, because the grass in the fields, because he was, his mind was all messed up. And the Lord allowed that to, and put that on him. And here's why the Lord did that. Verse 17, this manner is by the decree of the watchers. This is 17 now, 417 of Daniel. And the demand of, by the word of the Holy One to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The Lord gives kingdoms to whom he will, not Satan. And it didn't, he didn't refute that and didn't say that because it wasn't necessary to say it. But he says, he's saying here, God gives kingdoms to whoever he will and setteth up over it the basis of men. Look down in verse 25. The very end of verse 35. I'm going to save time reading. He goes on to talk about, well, I'll read that first, first, first part of it. That they shall drive thee from men, thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they, and they shall wet thee with the dew of the heaven, and seven times, that's seven years, shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And over here in verse 32, it says the same thing. Seven years time shall pass over thee. This is the latter part of 32, very end of it. Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever will. It's also brought out in chapter 5 uh, in verse 21. I won't read that one. It's the same thing. But what I am pointing out to you here, that here, here is uh, four places in the book of Daniel alone. Where it says that God gives kingdoms to whomsoever he will and is not for man to decide. So when the devil said to Jesus, fall down and worship me and I'll give you these kingdoms of the world and, and everything that's in it and all the glory of it. He lied. And if he lied to Jesus, he'll lie to you and me. Because Jesus knew he was lying. And Jesus didn't even, didn't even say you're lying. He knew he was lying. He just said, you know, the Bible says, Worship the Lord thy God, him only shall thou serve. So I'm just pointing out to you here these things here about, uh, about the devil. And about and it, this is another scripture. This is found in Psalms 75, 6 and 7. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth in another. Everybody see those scriptures? So I'm just letting you know here, God's the one that does it. And so when Satan comes around, it's tempting you every day. Say, Satan, get around. Get from, get from around. Get from around. This is old, an old country statement. Get from around. Hey, Amen. I don't want to hear anything you got to say. Right? So Satan will attack a lot of things and everything. And that theory of evolution that he has thrown our way makes a lot of people think that there is not going to be... Uh, 
I mentioned to you about the prince and the princess and all that over in England and about they've chosen to let their child choose, their child choose what sex he or she wants to be, you know. And so anyhow, I'm just telling you, this is the day and age in which we're going. They're not going to say you're a boy, you're a girl. When they're born, you look at him. He's a boy. You look at him. He's a girl. She's a girl. You know, common sense. God made us that way. But they're not going to tell them they're a boy or girl. They're going to let them choose what they want to be. You know, it's, it's that influence of the homosexuality that's coming our way. And, going to, and a, lot, a lot of things that go with that. Now, I want to move a little bit further into this because this thing about evolution, about things evolving, has made the astronomist, and I didn't say astrologist, but I'm talking about astronomers. I'm talking about legitimate people who study the heavens and the stars. It's made them to start thinking that if we are, have evolved from little bugs and insects or whatever it is, little small animals in the world, maybe there's another world out there someplace. Maybe there's another place, another planet that's got people on it like us. Or maybe they're not like us, but they're life on another planet. So for years now, they have been trying to find out so they can substantiate that it wasn't God who created everything, that everything has just evolved. If life is on other planets, then it evolved because we evolved on Earth. Therefore, it's bound to have evolved somewhere with all the stars. I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you something God gave me here recently. And, he's, and so, so they're, they're into all this kind of stuff. I, I got a copy. This is, a, this is the, uh, let me get a focus here. Automatic focus. I think that's it. That's the wrong one. That must be the right one. Where, where's the automatic focus? I can't get it. Rotate. I've got so many buttons up here. Anyway, I'm trying to get this focused in. Uh, Autofocus. There we go. Okay, can you see that? Now here is a, a dish and the sound equipment, something you reach, you know, that detects things out in the heavens. This thing is set up to try to hear, to listen to uh, stars and sounds in the heavens. Now look at the word writing in the middle of National Geographic. This just came out 1st of March. It says, we are not alone. You see that? The statement is implying there's life in other planets. And that's not true because when you read the article, it's not that way. But if you glance at this at its own, you say, oh my God, they have found life on other planets. They want to find it so bad. They want to find it so bad. So they can prove evolution. They can prove evolution. That God didn't make everything. Everything made itself. We just evolved. And they're desperate to try to find life someplace. It's like that woman that was desperate to prove that morality was bad. And she just came back and lied about it. I could tell you a story about some people did a work over in Central Africa. I was there. Your, your pastor was there. He and I were there together. Another one of our brothers. We were over there in, uh, in, in, in Africa together. And it's supposed to have been where hu the human race began, where they went from monkey to be a human. And they found a little evidence 
And we went there and looked at the evidence. Say, you're kidding me. That's what they're saying that the difference is a little. And it, it's, it's something about the female, man, the male and female walking together. And the female had a toe that turned out instead of in, which is a sign is, is half is part monkey and not all human, you know. And I said, dear Lord, she could have had a broken toe. She could have had a, a wounded toe. It could have been a thousand and one thing that happened to this person a long time ago. And, and, this, and, and, and my son said to me, Dad, why? What would make them to claim something like this to be the beginning of the human race? And, and, and I read periodicals all about it. I wish I could remember their names. I can't now. Some professor and, and his sidekick, a, a girl. They just lived together, slept together out in a car. Had a, you know, they lived there for months and months and maybe a few years. I said, I said to my son, because... They spent so much time here trying to prove a theory until they just could not go away empty-handed, so they claimed it. And they got it and everything. And so they got a big picture up there. Uh, Hillary Clinton and her daughter, Chelsea, had been there just a few months ahead of us. They had a big picture there of, of, this, of, of how it must have been We're walking through. It looked like half people, half monkeys and all that stuff. And then there's a little spot like in the, where the clay had hardened and it looked like a toe had flipped a little mud out and everything. The ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous evidence of something that is so theoretical. But I'm just trying to tell you, folks, this is where the world's going. And I look at National Geographic. We are not alone. What? Oh, well, they must have found something. So I pick up the book here and I start looking through it and, and all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and it's not that at all. It, it, here's what it said. Who's out there? New discoveries reveal it's almost certain we're not alone. Almost certain. But they put out here, we're not alone. You understand what I'm saying here, folks? This is where the world is coming to now. Here's how we're searching for life and trying to make contact. And they've been doing this as long as I can remember, as long as I've been grown. They've been trying to make contact. And I'm just saying that because I get disgusted with people who say, scientists, 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 scientists. And all of it is scientists. And it goes on to talk about here, uh, they even use the word evolve here. And it says uh, they, they believe that said on a blackboard she had sketched an equation she thought up. This is a, a woman professor here. I'm not criticizing her being a woman. I'm just saying she's the one that's writing the article here or has that they interviewed. It says she thought up to estimate the chances of detecting life on such a planet. So she had to develop a, 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 a sort of a kind of an equation for that. And she said, a lot of the assumptions we make about planetness, planetness have turned out to be wrong. Of course, yes, a lot of it has. And this will turn out to be wrong. And then she goes on to talk about her telescope, 2009. And it's looking at 150,000 stars and one, just one little patch in the sky. And they're studying it. And it says they believe that there are places where life might evolve common in the universe are vanishingly rare, leave us effectively without hope of ever knowing whether another living world exists. But they keep looking and looking and hearing and hearing and more sophisticating and spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on trying to pick up a little sound or a little 
you know, what, what's that guy, E.T. or Utu or whatever, E.T. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying, folks, but, and this goes on, it's got a whole article here. And it, it, all kind of writings about it and everything. And it's nothing but theory. And it's nothing but want to be and hope to be and all that. I'm just trying to tell you that this is the world that we're living in today. That's why you got to stay solid with the word. I'm telling you. you got to stay solid on track with the word of God. And not get caught up in all of that other stuff and everything. And there's a lot of things happening in the world today, right now. A lot of things going on. Um, I'm not getting into politics when I say what I'm going to say here. But there are some new attitudes that's coming now out of Washington that's beginning to uh, tell me that we're headed in a different direction than we've ever gone before. One is the, is the promotion of socialism. I'm going to read an article to you here in a moment that just came out this, this past weekend. Uh, that's out of one of these news magazines that tells you what's going on in the in behind the scenes a lot of things but there's a lot of things going on here that socialism here is saying that we need to make everything social and there's some you know ideas and philosophies and things like that that's going on and all of these things is letting us know that these are all things that's coming to pass here in these last days and that things like this are coming our way amen uh, before I get into that, let me make mention to you about those stars up in the heavens. Everybody with me on this? I want to give you some Bible. And I love this. I love this. This is Psalm 74 and 3. 74, 3. And then I'm going to read 4 and then go down to verse 7. Look, look what it says. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly. I'm sorry. I am in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong place. Man, I got so many markings on here. I, where is that scripture? Oh, boy, I can't find it. Nope, that's the wrong one, folks. I am sorry. Oh, here it is. Psalms 147. If I had you in the wrong psalm, this is the one I want. 147. And look at this one with me. This is Psalms 147.4. He telleth the, star, the number of the stars. Look at that. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. This is God now. Now, here's people up there said there's 150,000 stars in this one little spot that's the size of your hand when you look at all the heavens. Okay, okay. And God says, yeah, I know. There's, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> you know, that's nothing to me. And he says here in this Psalms 147.4, he telleth the, the number of the stars. He knows how many there are. We're saying we're goggle-minded by it. The awesomeness of all the heavens is bound to be life somewhere during those stars. And they're doing this. <laughs> Listening. Looking. Because if they find life on another planet, it's like, oh, they're evolving like we're evolving. So it's all evolution, you know. And the Lord says, and I forget all that. He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by their names. Verse 5, great is our Lord, and of great power. 
His understanding is infinite. Amen. He just tells us, amen, that these things are great and mighty and there's nothing in the world like it. Amen. I think I want to read, uh, where is it, Isaiah? I can't remember now. Let's see here. No. Whatever. But anyhow, there's other places that Isaiah speaks about him numbering the stars as well. Names them, numbers them. Isaiah, I think, 40, 26. 40, 26. Did you get that? Isaiah 40, 26. Is this one of them? I'm not sure. On our screen. Isaiah 40. Okay, thank you. Lift up your eyes on high. Behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names. By the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, and not one faileth. I'm just trying to say here, folks, just trust the Bible. God is so great, and man thinks that he is so great himself. In other words, I'm, I'm great. It's not God is great, it's I'm great. And what we do, praise the Lord, is that we do like Jesus did whenever he was going to be crucified, before he went to, he went to the garden and prayed. He said, Father, not my will thy will be done and we surrender our will to his will because satan wants us to get our will picked up and boasted up we're somebody like this we're great mankind is great i'm great who's the king of the mountain so forth and he tries to get us to act like that do like that and actually we need to say god you're the great one you and we praise him glorify him because god is all power folks and his greatness is so far beyond his ways or above man's ways as the heavens above the earth. Uh, we can have a, not even begin to conceive the greatness and the power and the mighty God. Our knowledge is like a drop in the ocean compared to God's knowledge. He's, his knowledge is overall. I mean, he, he's got all the stars numbered. He's got them named. And I can just see the angels. Lord, we run out of, we've run out of names. Well, we'll create some new names. <laughs> we got, we'll create new names for them, but we'll name all the stars. And he knows what they all are, and he remembers what they all are. He said, Brother Myers, that's fantasy. No, it is. It's the Word of God. I showed you two places, one in Isaiah, one in Psalms. Here. Well, let me move on here. Um, this is, you know, some of the things that we find in the National Geographic here about these things. Let me talk to you about this uh, socialism that's uh, coming our way in America. This is, you, you're starting to hear it now from politicians and different ones. I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not interested in that at all. Uh, you know, I'm just, everybody, you vote always according to your dictates of your own heart. But I am saying here that this socialism here was created originally, you know, by Karl Marx is the one that originally thought it all up, or at least the ones that we have in modern time. And he was a German philosopher who wrote the Communist Manifesto and, uh, in 1848. Later on, it was picked up by uh, Vladimir Lenin in the early 1900s, 1914. He began to uh, use this to try to take, take over the powers of Russia. There was two things going on in Russia in 1914. There was the Tsar, Nicholas II. Nicholas II was the Tsar. And the people were trying to, not the people, but there was a certain amount of the people that were trying to overthrow him. And, uh, and there was a Bolshevik revolution that was created, and they began the war. So they began to fight against the Tsar. It was like a standoff. 
And Lenin became a head of the, the small group of people called the Communist Party. Actually, it was, social, it was socialism. And he threw his weight with the Bolsheviks. And the Bolsheviks and the Communists together was able to defeat the Tsar. And, of course, as you know, in 1917, I think it was, it was 1917, uh, they were, the Tsar and his family, five wife, five children, taken to a place by a trusted friend to a place that they said they were going to take some pictures. And when they got there, they snapped some pictures and they came in with machine guns and shot them all down and dead. You know about the story about all that. So I'm just trying to tell you, then the Bolshevik Revolution happened. And then in the middle of that Bolshevik Revolution, communism threw out the Bolsheviks and they took control over uh, Lenin was controller, but he got sick. He had a, he was a, he's a Jewish fellow. He was Jewish and he was an atheist, Jewish atheist. And Lenin, uh, had a, a sidekick uh, called Trotsky, Leon Trotsky. And Trotsky was to take Lenin's place when Lenin was concerned over the, the controls of the communism in Russia. But Joseph Stalin had come into the picture. He was from Georgia, not Georgia, not Atlanta, Georgia, but Georgia, like over in the Middle East, not the Middle East, but in the, in the uh, Eastern Europe. He had he came in. He took over the controls. And when he got and, and when he got a hold of the controls, he began to do away with people who were strong Lenin supporters and strong Trotsky supporters. Finally had Trotsky thrown in jail and kept him there for several years and finally had him executed. Now, I'm just telling you that because this is how Joseph Stalin got in power. And with that, they begin to pro promote communism throughout Russia and then throughout the Soviet Union by conquering other nations, brought them all together and so forth. And communism reigned for 50 years in that part of the world, folks, and achieved nothing. It achieved nothing. It lost ground. You know why? Because people found out you could get what you wanted by not working. And so today they're trying to bring socialism back into America because they said we got problems that we don't know how to solve. Now let me read an article here. This is one that just came out of uh, Kepinger Report. It says here, forget minimum wage. How about a basic income? Quotations. With no work required. Liberals were panned for including one in their Green New Deal. But it's been tried at technical, it, 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 it is being tried as technology replaces more workers and wealth disparity widens. Disparity means the rich become richer, the poor get poorer. Italy adopted one of these plans. This is where that, you know, they give uh, no works required, they just give people money. India is considering it. This is not new. Stockton, California is experimenting with it. Stockton is the first American locality to tinker with this thing. Here's what they did. They took 100 poor residents. <clears throat> they would give them $500 per month for one and a half years with no strings. They don't do anything. They just give them the money. Chicago is mulling a similar pilot program. But Finland and Ontario, Canada ended their string-free benefits. They tried it and quit doing it. They said it was too expensive. 
So these things are all going on. The idea of it, of course, Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook is one of the ones behind it. And Elon Musk is another one of these gurus that's worth billions of dollars. They're behind it. Uh, and they said that because of artificial intelligence and other technology, this will, re this will disrupt many industries, necessitating the government guaranteed pay for displaced workers and the poor. The concept will not go mainstream in the U.S. soon, if it ever does. But the idea is well past just being theatrical now. I'm just trying to tell you that we're coming into an area, era, an area of a lot of things like this. You're going to be hearing about a lot of things. And I just want to cite one scripture, and my time is gone here. And I, if I can find it, it's, uh, I think it's the Second Thessalonians. Yeah, let me read the one. Uh, this one is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 11. And uh, mark this one down. And that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. That you may walk honestly up toward them that are without and that you may have lack of nothing. In other words, that you, you, you work and be a worker. Uh, he says this again over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So I'm just pointing out to you here some things in the scriptures. But what's coming down the pike, what's coming our way? And I think that it's people that's trying to work out things. But socialism, I personally think, is not the answer because it was tried in Russia. And it was tried over there. And it failed because the people, once they realize, as hard as I work, I have no more than the person who doesn't do anything. And so everybody does nothing. And then, of course, the biggest production they had in Russia, they came to find out, was vodka. Because everybody just got drunk and played around and, and forgot about working. Oh, God bless the Russian people. Amen. I'm picking on right. Let's stand and pray. Amen. God bless you here today. You're a great audience. Amen. I told you we were going to go for a joy ride today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We magnify your name. Thank you for all of your goodness and blessings to us. Bless this church and this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.